0: Hello! Welcome to the Am I a Bad Mom podcast. I'm your host, Christy Ritz-King, trauma therapist, maternal mental health specialist, and mom of three. I have met so many incredible women through the various careers I've had over the years, and no matter where they are along their motherhood journey, they are powerful, they are brave, they are successful in their lives. And none of that matters because they all ask the same question at least once. And that is, am I a bad mom because fill in the blank. There are any number of ways to fill in that blank, and our mission with this podcast is to provide you all of the reasons why the answer to that question is unequivocally no. Every single time, no matter what, the answer is no, you are not a bad mom. And we're here today to show you exactly why. So welcome. We can't wait to help you feel better about the parent and the person that you are. Let's go. Hey, listeners, welcome back to Am I a Bad Mom?, Today, it is not just me on the podcast. We have a very special guest. Oh, that makes it sound like it's a, some sort of uh, from some sort of sitcom from the 80s. But <laughs> we have a guest, Jessica Adio. She and I found each other, I think, through a coach that we both had at some point, Robin Euclidus. We found each other on Instagram and she reached out to me. She's an occupational therapist who now works with women on their own nervous systems and regulation. And I'm a huge fan of occupational therapists. As a mom of highly sensitive kid and as just a person who works with children, I know the magic of OTs and I know the idea of regulating our nervous systems is so important to everything that we do as parents. And it can also be really intimidating. And so I had an episode about co-regulation in the queue and I thought this is gonna be a much better conversation with someone else. So without further ado, let's welcome Jessica and uh, start talking about how we co-regulate with our kiddos. Hello, everybody! Welcome back to Am I a Bad Mom podcast, and we have a very special guest, and actually two special guests today. <laughs> I want to welcome on Jessica Adio, and she has her little baby with her too. We're really in the trenches this time, moms, where we are doing our podcast with with a baby as a guest. Also, I want to apologize in advance because there's it's leaf blowing season, so you're going to have some humming in the background. I think no amount of noise cancellation takes care of that on my end. So I'm gonna jump right in. We're talking today about co-regulation and Jessica actually reached out to me and said, I see what you're doing and I think I'd like to talk about what I do. And I was like, hey, I have the perfect topic coming up. We're gonna jump right in. Why don't you just tell us a little bit about who you are and welcome to the show. Sure.
1: Hi everybody. Thank you so much for having me. My name is Jessica Adio and I am an occupational therapist. So for 17 years I worked as a pediatric occupational therapist working with other people's children to help them regulate their nervous system and sensory system so they could do things like go to school, holiday dinners, birthday parties, so on and so forth. And then I had kids of my own and I very quickly realized that I also have a nervous and sensory system and that if I want to do all of the things while also being a present and happy mom that I need to look at and take care of my nervous system and sensory system as well. And so from there, I shifted into calling myself a nervous system clinician, which is a very much so a made up phrase, but <laughs> you could say I am OT for the mom and you don't have to be a mom to benefit from what I do because we all have a nervous system, but I have found that motherhood and parenting is really overstimulating. It's loud. People are touching you all the time. There's a lot of demands and a lot of split attention. And so it was a real turning point in my nervous system functioning. And when I realized that I could intervene and proactively help myself.
0: Yeah. It's so funny that I feel like that story is part mine and part all of ours and that we At least for me, I had a kid that needed extra attention, special attention, was very highly sensitive, very attuned to the world. And it wasn't until working with him that I realized I was exactly the same way. I just had learned over all these years to shut it down and make it work. And everything else. And so I love that that's part of your story because I think that, and certainly that's who I see in my office. I have lots of moms that come to my office for therapy because part of parenting has either reawakened stuff they didn't even realize they hadn't quite processed or introduced things that they needed to process in a different way. So I love that. I throw the word out co-regulation. I see it all the time in social media. I think it is really important and also probably really misunderstood. And so I'm going to ask you to define it. One of the things we like to do on this podcast is say, what is this thing we're actually talking about? Because we see it out there, but we don't really know what it is. And I also happen to think OTs are like the unsung heroes of the world. <laughs> because, I, And I think, They're also misunderstood in a lot of ways because we think very practical, at least I did in the beginning, thought occupational therapy was like, when you break your hand, how do you start to write again? Like it was a very, if I have a stroke, how do I do these things again? Until I started working with my own child and realized, oh, it's really like, how do I get along in the world? (laughs) Even if I haven't had an accident or a trauma or anything like that, if I'm just somebody who has these needs. From your perspective, what When keeping moms in mind, what is co-regulation and why is it important? And why is it a word we keep hearing? (laughs) I
1: love how you defined OT because us OTs are always like in an identity crisis of no one really quite knows what we do. And how do you get along in the world is perfect. And so co-regulation is what started my business because I heard a lot about co-regulation, right? So I was supposed to be the one regulating my child and I'll explain what I mean by that in a moment. And the question I kept coming up against over and over again was who is regulating me? Mm -hmm. I would love to do it for them, but what about me? Because I'm not perfectly regulated all day, every day. So co-regulation in its most science form from my perspective is about mirror neurons. The mirror neurons in my brain will mirror the neurons in your brain. If you take a sip of water, I might go and grab for a sip of water without even realizing it. And just recently, this I had to laugh at myself because it happened to me. I was parked in the drop-off line with my two-year-old and I had the baby in the car. So I only wanted to get out just to run her to the door right at the correct moment. We were listening to holiday music, we were warm, everything was fine. I knew what time I needed to get out. And then the person in the car in front of me opened their door to get out and take their toddler out. And what did my brain do? you should get out of the car. (laughs) That is mirror neurons and co-regulation. So that's co-regulation in a low demand sort of scenario. Co-regulation in a higher demand scenario would be you have asked your child to get their shoes on five, six, seven, eight times, and they have not done it. And now you are late trying to get out the door to school, which means you're late for every other thing that's coming for you that morning. So you go over and you raise your voice. You don't want to, but you're just, you are getting dysregulated, which is a perfectly normal and natural response to this scenario. And then what does your child do? Now they take their jacket off because they are co-regulating the level of stress that you are experiencing. I think a lot of times when co-regulation is spoken about, it's just about, well, just mom, don't do that. Boys, get down on one knee, make eye contact. That is all beautiful and lovely except for the fact that you have a nervous system and your nervous system has responses and needs too. So to me, co-regulation done well is looking at who is the most dysregulated person, what does that person need, and then what do you have time for? And moving through your own nervous system and your family's nervous system as a dynamic in that way.
0: That's such a perfect... I love that hierarchy almost because... I know one of the things that always gave me hesitation as a therapist was I never wanted to make a mom feel worse than she already felt. And the whole concept of co-regulation, immediately moms go, mom, I'm doing all of this wrong. They bring their kid in because their kid is dysregulated. And, and the first thing we tell them is, well, it's it, we need to work on co-regulation. And they then blame themselves even more than they did when they first came in. So I'm always really hesitant, sometimes hesitant to even talk about this as a topic, especially on this podcast, because it's all about grace and kindness and keeping moms in mind. So I love the hierarchy of, yeah, those are all wonderful things. Get down on their level, look them in the eye, all of those things when you're in a state that you're able to do that. But if you aren't, you need to attend to yourself first. And that's not selfish or bad or any of the things that we think that it is.
1: It's actually really good
0: for your kids. Yeah.
1: Because of mirror neurons, they are watching how you respond to stress. And they're not watching it like mom said, take a deep breath when I get right. stressed out. Right. My kids I could say it till I'm blue in the face. No one's taking a deep breath. It's not <laughs> right. happening. But they do watch when mom freaked out because yes. I freak out too. Sure. Uh, she did X Y and Z and she came back. So the X Y and Z is even less important to me, it's the coming back. Yeah. And their brains watch your brain do that and later in life when they experience some stressor, their subconscious mind is programmed like again, via mirror neurons to know I can handle this. Yeah. There's nothing more I want to give my kids than that. Right? That's all of it for me. So you can freak out in front of them. You're doing good by them when that happens, because that's real life.
0: Right. Exactly. Yeah. I always say that. And then there's magic in the repair process. Like if you're teaching them how to be human and humans feel things and sometimes they feel them at inconvenient times. And so you're giving them that lesson of how do you move through this? Because it's going to happen to you. And yeah, I think the big worry that I hear from parents and, that, and what I try to work with them on is how do you do that in a way that your kid doesn't take on the responsibility for it? Because I have seen in the worst case scenario, let's say, the kid thinks they're responsible somehow for this mother dysregulation or father dysregulation. And so they then start to blame themselves or see themselves as it. So other than the repair process of letting them know it's not there how from a sort of mirror neuron perspective, do you keep the kid understanding, this has nothing to do with me. This is my mom having a moment. Yeah, so I talk it out loud a lot.
1: And it depends on the age of your child and the emotional maturity, but you can start it from very young. So I'll say things like, I'm starting to get frustrated. Can you hear the tone of my voice Mm -hmm. changing? Show them. This is how I'm shifting. You know what? I'm way too frustrated right now. I'm just going to step outside. I need a little bit of fresh air. Things along those lines. And then let's say I do have the big blow up, which happens. I do go back in afterwards, like you said, and repair and explain. I was frustrated because I did ask you to put your shoes on three times, but I also was really worried because I had a meeting and I didn't get to eat breakfast and I just couldn't control myself. In the beginning, it feels like you're just speaking into the wind. Cause you're not, they don't give you much back or in my experience has been, I don't get much back right away. But then later on, I hear my son, he's my oldest and he's six using the language back with me. So he'll say, mommy, you had a freak out day yesterday. And I was like, absolutely. I totally did. And then we'll talk about it later when they are the ones who are having the freak out and it's taking me along for the ride i might move into a co-regulating activity for both of us when i have the time in the space so it's not like this happens every single time but i know that i benefit from what i call proprioceptive input and so does my son proprioceptive input is deep pressure into your joints and your muscles it also really helps my son to complete his emotional stress cycle if he can be physical Now, how is my six-year-old son gonna choose to do this? He's gonna pick up a toy and whip it across the room. Not my preferred way of doing it. But I'm very cool with a pillow fight, and I'm very cool with making him into a burrito or a taco or whatever, And so we'll do that. And it can be set off by either one of us. We pick up those squish mellows pillow things. And I say, let's play dominoes. And dominoes is really me throwing the pillow at him and him pretending (laughs) that it knocks him over. It's a release for me, right? Because I'm frustrated too. It's a release for him because he's getting probe and he's throwing it back to me. And it's a connection activity for us. So we get to stay in relationship with each other as we move through these different spaces in our nervous system. And I may put some language to it as well of, and I might think it's ridiculous, right? Mommy's so mean because she won't give you your sixth Hershey kiss. I don't really think I'm mean for that, but he does. Yeah. And okay. Yeah. And just letting us both complete our stress cycles so we can co-regulate together. That's how I do it when I have time for it. You don't always have
0: all of that time. Yeah. I, everything I say here, I have the caveat of this only happens in the perfect scenario and your kids are going to be fine if it doesn't happen every single time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I I feel like that's the I'm constantly coming back to that because that is the biggest piece of feedback I get is that a lot of these tips, a lot of these ideas can make people feel guilty more than anything. And so I'm always trying to remind people like these are all tips. I didn't do them every single time. My kids are all fine (laughs) as adults. And yet they're here for you if you need them. In that, along those lines, what are some of your sort of, this Squishmallows thing is fun. But I'm also thinking, and you don't have them yourself yet, old enough yourself yet, but like for somebody who's coming with an eight or a 10-year-old who's still having these freakouts and meltdowns, and, and they didn't start this stuff at two, what are your tips for them? Because I'm a firm believer it's never too late. <laughs> yeah, it's never too Your brain is plastic. So like yeah. you practice this, I'm 40. I didn't learn these things till I was in my 40s, too. <laughs> so it's yeah.
1: never too late. The number one tip that supports me in these moments is reminding myself that it is dysregulation and not a character flaw. Sure. I'm not a bad mom. My kid is not a bad kid. There's yeah. nothing seriously wrong with them or me or us. Yeah. We are nervous systems who are dysregulated. For me, that's always a it just takes me down and mm-hmm. uh, not in the like panic spiral that can ensue. And then what can you do? So it's hard to say like blanket rules because everyone's nervous systems are unique. For sure. uh, but one that I've seen work for most people is cold, right? So either I know when I'm dysregulated, I tend to get hot, right? If I'm like running up and down the stairs, trying to get out the house in the morning, and I feel myself starting to sweat, it's always like a sign of, we are tiptoeing into the dark side. So I will either step outside this time of year and just let the cold air wash Mm. over me, or we use an ice roller. And ice rollers are like, I think they're meant to depuff your face or something. That's why they originally bought it. But I learned years ago in a course that when someone is having a big meltdown, if you put something cold on the very back of their neck, it legitimately cools down their brainstem. So Mm. we do that with the ice roller. And my kids love it, my husband loves it. I love it. And I think it's a safe one that I could say most people would respond positively to it. And the other thing that comes up in my mind is when you're, your child's older, you're going to talk it through with mm-hmm. them. You'll do the repair. And sometimes for me, it's about planning. Like, okay, what can I do different next time? When you're in it, when the tantrum's happening, when you've yelled, your thinking brain legitimately goes offline. And again, this is just like science. It's not you not being good enough, it's just the way our brain works, you're not going to remember much in that moment but you can be like okay let me take a zoomed out view of my week ahead and think about what does everyone's nervous system need to have a good time at the Santa Claus dinner on Saturday morning, that's what's coming up right Right. so I'm going to be making deposits into my nervous system via sensory input (laughs) but when we all show up like we've got enough bandwidth to handle it kind of thing
0: Hey, listener. If you appreciate what you get here as far as support and camaraderie and feeling like you're not alone, then I think you should really check out the Women of Wonder community that I run. It is exactly that. It is a community full of support and camaraderie and you are not aloneness. It is meant to replace the old fashioned Facebook groups that we used to love before it got so mean and snarky and Facebooky. It is a place where you can ask the questions you have, where you can share the joys and share the sorrows and expect a supportive response, non-judgmental response. We meet weekly via Zoom, so we have people from all over the world that come and join us, and there are other supports like newsletters and uh, message boards and all of the things that you can and want and need in your life to provide you that support and scaffolding to help do this job we call motherhood. Check it out on my website, wonderinkwellness.com. It's called the Women of Wonder Community, and you can sign up today and get two months free if you do a year subscription. If you have any questions, again, always send me an email, but I would love to see you inside. And I, and, and for me, I think a lot of times with a kid that was super highly sensitive, some of it was accepting the fact that we weren't going to do the Santa breakfast. There's some reality in there too, of what, what is our capacity? And so what can we do to beef up that capacity? And then also what's the reality that maybe this isn't within our capacity to do either. Yeah. Yeah, I'm a huge proponent of that pre-planning. But I think it starts with understanding your own self first. As you said at the very beginning of this, the hierarchy of whose nervous system needs attention first. So if you can talk a little bit about your own sort of journey through that, how did you realize a that you had a ner- that this is what you were dealing with and then put these things into place for yourself because I imagine it wasn't like when the first baby was born you no. figured this out. Yeah. <laughs> When, None of us
1: the do. Third, when the first baby was born, oh, nice. I thought I just needed to exercise. And if I yeah, it was going to be okay. And two parents, one baby, we could really work sure. that out. Sure. And then another baby was born. And then a third <laughs> baby was born. And you can imagine time became scarce. And so when it really clicked for me, it was a Saturday afternoon. It's like a very vivid memory. And my husband was working. So he was doing nothing quote unquote, wrong, right? Right, right? But I was going out to dinner that night and I don't often have social plans and I needed to wash my hair. And these were like two big ticket important things to me. And so my husband calls and he says, I'm running late and I have to stop and get lunch. My initial response was like, that's not fair. I never go out and now I'm gonna be late and I'm not gonna get to wash my hair. And and I didn't really communicate any of that, but I was that was my internal experience. Somewhere in the very back corner of my mind, I don't know how I pulled it forward, I decided to go for a walk with the kids. It was two of the kiddos at that point. And I put ankle weights on. So again, going back to proprioception, it's giving my body more proprioceptive input. I've done this with kids bajillions of times. Do a weighted walk, get a heavy backpack, push a laundry basket across the floor, right? All these different things. But I never really thought to do it for myself. We walked for 15 minutes, we came back, and everything about my mindset was different. I was like, my husband's working. He's not, he did not like intentionally ruin my night. I'm meeting my best friend for dinner. We've never been on time in 25 years. (laughs) No one's expecting me to show up on time. It's okay. But that was born in my nervous system. I couldn't just think a better thought in that original moment because I was dysregulated. I lacked the coping chemicals to do. And then that little activity gave me more coping chemicals and allowed me to shift into a different mindset. And it was a real aha moment for me of, oh my goodness, you can do this for you. And I just started playing around with it. You know, I know that I like, I keep going back to proprioception. I know that I like that input, right? So sometimes I wear a tight tank top underneath my clothing because that little bit of squeeze can sustain me throughout a day. When I work with people one-on-one or in small groups, we get really into what are the things that make deposits into your nervous system. So it's not just, do self-care and fill your own cup, do self-care with science behind it. And there's a way that you can figure that out. And it's just going to make you feel better. And so now I'm in a place where my nervous system's in everything that I do. I'm always choosing regulation. Like you said, you might not go to the Santa breakfast, right? Mm -hmm. That was you choosing regulation for you and your family. Mm -hmm. That's okay. Everyone has a different nervous system. And I really live my life in structure my kids' lives around this concept.
0: Yeah, we became that kind of household too. At first by necessity, but then we realized what a beautiful life it is when you make your own choices. But it's not easy. You're going against, again, not going to the Santa breakfast or not going, in our case, to birthday parties was like a social thing too that we had to reconcile with. And I know I, I work with parents every single day who are in those same trenches. We talk a little, we're talking a little about the perception piece is in, at least from the people I work with, the with those kids that need that feedback, that I always say there's like pushers away and grabbers on <laughs> kids that are in, that are in, that are dysregulated. And so those ones that need that, like heavy input, that weighted ankle, ankle weights or something like that. What are your suggestions for those parents of those kids? What kind of things, you mentioned a weighted backpack, things like that, that help them and this is preemptively I want to make sure people here understand I'm not saying like mid temper tantrum. <laughs> but like how hope to make those fewer by doing these things.
1: So I would if you can call it up mid temper tantrum or sure. in another scenario observe your child's body because their body will be showing you yeah. what it is you could provide proactively. Outside of that, I think working with an OT is a tremendous idea because yeah. even if I will sometimes work with parents just virtually and have them fill out a sensory profile.
0: Yeah.
1: I love OT. I love private practice OT. I love school based OT, yeah. but one hour a week or 30 minutes a week is not going to get it done. Right. You really right. need to know how you can do this for your child, like in their daily routines. I use animal walks a lot, which is okay, let's say you have trouble down shifting at night to go to bed. Mm. Go from the bathroom into your bedroom, walk like a bear. Then do some jumps on the floor in between putting on pajamas. When we put on lotion, use super, super deep, firm pressure to, again, give that proprioceptive input. Every child is so different. Some kids, when you give them the input they need, it feels really good, but they also have trouble shifting gears afterwards. And then you need another thing in there as well. Other kids are just like, give me all the input. And once I get it, I'm good to go. I also would keep in mind when your child comes home from school, if they are someone who has high level sensory needs, and they all are, so I'm just gonna- Right, I was gonna say, I think Otherwise, it's a <laughs> Yeah, they are going to be somewhat dysregulated because school is mm-hmm. a lot of sitting down and following directions and impulse control, and they've likely held that together all day long. So yeah. when you get them, expect it. My son loves to run around in the I don't know, little field outside school, and there's a part of me that's always, come on, we have to go. We actually right, right. have to go. We have nowhere to go. <laughs> and I remind myself, it's really good for him. Let him get yeah. all of that out because he hasn't had that outside of like recess in gym class in a school day.
0: Yeah. Yeah. If he's, yeah. If he's gotten both of those things. Yeah. In exactly. yeah, a school day. Yeah. Yes. Oh, I, I love that. I was a teacher forever and prior to private practice psychology and I hated homework as a teacher. Because I thought like these kids, they just physically need to not be doing more work at the end of the day. But unfortunately, yeah. not everybody subscribes to that. Yeah. <laughs> philosophy. Yeah. yeah, I often when I work with parents say they'll come in saying, I don't know what to do. They're not they don't want to do their homework when they get home. And I'm always like, of course, they don't have you tried 20 minutes of just running around in the yard or doing something in the yard first. And it's almost every single time they come back and go, Oh my god, it worked. They sat right down and did their stuff. And this is middle school, high school. This yeah. is not just little kids anymore. It's all about think so.
1: The homework piece too, it's like knowing your kids. Some kids yes. they if they don't do it when they get home, you're never gonna get them back. Yeah. And then there's other kids if they really like they can't do that. Right yeah, it. yeah. You is. can also layer movement into the homework. So mm-hmm. When I worked in a sensory gym, I had a student who was, uh, he was in middle school. I don't remember his exact grade, but he would run and do jump flips into the ball pit, do a math problem. Mm -hmm. Once, do it again, come do a math problem. You might not have a ball pit in your home. Most of us don't, but you can do some version of that. Mm -hmm. Do your homework standing up. Do your homework laying on your belly, because when you're laying on your belly, you're actually getting nice proprioceptive input all through your upper body. Do your homework and then take a movement break with a dandy go-go video if you've got a slightly younger kid. Um, There's ways to be creative. And this is what I think OTs really excel at is, okay, we know what we need and now let's put it together in a way that actually works. And that is co-regulation, right? When you Mm -hmm. do that for your kid, their nervous system feels seen and that helps them downshift and it will help you downshift way more than do your homework, do your homework five times. Now it's time you didn't do your homework. Like that whole thing, very dysregulating.
0: Yes. Because then it becomes less about what they need and more about you feeling not heard and not respected and not whatever. Yeah. That's just a recipe for disaster in all of those areas. Yeah. And like the thinking of it again, from a nervous system perspective, because I think a lot of times, especially with parenting, there's so many like tips out there. There's so many, try this, even some of the things we've just said, stand up when you do your homework, stand what? And again, what I get a lot from people is that didn't work. <laughs> and it's that's part of the, not part of the reason, that's probably the sole reason. Everything I do starts with tuning in. So understanding your own needs and then doing the same thing for your kid, figuring out what's happening, almost like you're a scientist and you're observing the situation to see like what, like you said, in the middle of a temper tantrum, I mean, if you can step back and just be like, what's going on? What does this kid want? And usually parents know, they just don't realize they know. They'll come into me and say, Oh, was constantly banging his head against the floor, or he's throwing himself up against his little brother or something. And I'm like, yeah, you're, you know what he needs. You just have to channel that in a different way. So even if you like, do it in the moment, when you're thinking yeah. back on what happened, yes, you could yes. do
1: it then. It's, yeah. It's okay, but I think the observation piece is really helpful to taking those like tips and tricks and making them yours. Otherwise, yes. Yes. you try the tip, it doesn't work, and you think, oh, sensory work doesn't work for us, which is right. not true. It's just that might have not been the right tip
0: for your particular scenario. I'm thinking of the all of the heavy pressure and all of that. I have one that would have been exactly the horrible recipe for but one where it worked perfectly. And yeah, if I had had one before the other and tried it and been like, that's not the thing to do, then yeah, it's so individualized. And I think that's the the problem with parenting advice and parenting books and all of those things is that they give you this sort of formula. And without your input and your kid's input, it doesn't make any difference. Yeah,
1: and we've talked a lot about proprioception and just as an OT, I have to also mention the vestibular system. You have organs in your inner ear that let you know about where your head is in space. It's super individualized and way more sensitive of a system than proprioception is, Mm. but it's like a powerhouse. When you can figure out the just right level of vestibular input for yourself or for your kiddo, huge changes in regulation. So what moms will say back to me is I feel more in control. My Mm. kids are still WWE wrestling while I cook (laughs) dinner and it's still making me nuts, yeah. but i no longer feel like i'm on such a short fuse that i can't not explode i have this yeah. level of control so the vestibular system can be really powerful it's just one that i tread more cautiously with because it also is super sensitive so think right. like motion sickness or being scared of heights yeah. that that system plays into those things as well yeah.
0: yeah there's a lot happening i know i do a lot of polyvagal therapy when i yeah when i work with people and there's so much happening that we have no idea is happening and is autonomic and all of those things. Yeah, I fully support the sort of sensitivity around some of that. But again, it's it's also individualized that it's difficult to say, here's the thing to do. (laughs) And that's kind of part of this podcast oftentimes is tips, is again, with the caveat that here's a laundry list of things, take what works, throw away what doesn't thing. And we've talked a lot in here about it, but in kind of a summary, or if there's anything you feel like you haven't said that you feel like people need to know, what are some sort of parting gifts you wanna give people?
1: Sure. I would say the thing that comes back most often when I work with women is that they are dysregulated. You are not a bad mom. You're not doing a bad job. You're not messing up your kids or your marriage or your partnership. You are a nervous system that's probably shifted into a fight flight zone and stayed there and you are dysregulated, And that's why you maybe snap or yell or don't pull out the best parenting tip trick out of your hat. And that's something that you can reframe and absolutely shift gears into towards more regulation, but no one's regulated 24 seven. Regulation to me is like, it's a verb, not a noun. It's a set of right, things you right. do to support yourself in handling the up and down versus this perfect, calm, zen state that no one really lives life from. And so yeah, yeah. the more you see that, the more you work towards regulating you, the more you will be able to co-regulate your child. And like you are giving them a gift every time you do that. If you're listening to this podcast, I'm assuming you're on that path <laughs> and just pat yourself on the back. You're doing a good job by yes. just doing that.
0: Perfect. Perfect. Yes. And I love the concept of coming back to your teaching them because my whole sort of parent coaching philosophy is that you're giving them what they need to go off and be without you and so teaching them the skills of how do i regulate myself because life is going to happen and you're going to be dysregulated and one of the reasons i was so happy to have you on it was because again as a trauma therapist i talk about this from that lens it doesn't matter if you have recognizable or un- or a history of trauma or anything like that everybody has this nervous system <laughs> that is triggered in certain ways that maybe are surprising to you sometimes or i can remember with my very first realizing that I really got dysregulated when she cried the cries that they just have for like exercise (laughs) I used to get really dysregulated and that was my darkest moments of the day was like what am I doing wrong I'm a terrible person this baby keeps crying and it was so surprising to me because I thought I knew a lot about kids and I thought I understood a lot about all of this and yet she really so it doesn't matter if you have or don't have a history of trauma this is applicable to all of us that are trying to raise young people in the world so i
1: think for moms that lands a bit because not that it doesn't land for dads it does but Mm -hmm. your nervous system exists to keep you safe and alive and especially Mm -hmm. when your babies are young but i'm guessing it stays all the way through (laughs) you exist in some ways to keep them safe and alive so when that cry goes off it sets off like a crazy cycle of this is an emergency, even though the emergency is like, I spit out my passy or I'd like you to change the coconut right. episode. Um, but that's why it feels so intense. Again, yeah. It's, is there anything mm-hmm. wrong with you? Just because you yeah. have a nervous system and it's doing its thing.
0: Right. And this is what it's designed for. Yeah. Yeah. And I think to, to a lot, at least my experience has been to a lot of degrees, dads too, <laughs> because they're supposed to be the protector in this situation. And so when kids have something that happens that goes wrong, and unfortunately, a lot of times that can look like a guy who's telling you you're an idiot and you should do it better. <laughs> We've all had those moments as pain, like it with oh, yeah. thinking specifically with older kids. Yeah, But you can watch the, again, I'm sure you see this and I see it now as an outside observer. You can watch their nervous system kick in the yeah. gear of, no, I'm going to stop this uncomfortable feeling at all costs. At all. And yeah. it doesn't matter what I'm doing. Yeah.
1: And it becomes like a dynamic system of nervous systems amongst you and your immediate family members, yes. right? Because you all yeah. have slightly different nuances, and they're all trying to fit together. And observation is really helpful because it gets dicey sometimes.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Observation. And I think your awareness of your own, like that woman said to you, I can handle it now because I know what's going on. <laughs> this noise bothers me, but it's not a threat to me anymore. And yeah, yeah. So great. Thank you so much for coming on. We loved having the baby with us too. Oh, <laughs> I know. She stayed quiet. I'm glad yes, it's good. Just little noises oh, that my, I miss. Yep. Absolutely. <laughs> um, and where can people find you now that they have all this wisdom that they want to get from you?
1: You can find me on my website, which is Jessica, our or Instagram. Same thing, okay. Jessica, our I offer one to one coaching, small group coaching. Sometimes I will just do consults if someone's already working with somebody, but is I don't understand what's going on with my nervous system, sensory system. Can you help sure. me figure that out? I might do a smaller consult type thing, but yeah, find me in those two places, and love to hear from any and all of you if you feel like this is a big part of the the
0: puzzle for you. Sure, perfect, perfect. And I will put links in our show notes because adios, a d d
1: e o, right? A d d e o, yep. Okay. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I thought her name was Radio. Well, thank you so much for coming on. And I'm excited for everybody who's going to get to learn from you even more. Thank you so much for having me. Sure. Take care. Bye now. Bye. Awesome. Wasn't that such a great conversation? I'm so glad to have had Jessica on. And I hope that you learned something. I I know, even knowing all that I know about uh, co regulation and trauma and our nervous systems, I always feel like I learned something new when I talk to somebody else who's in the game with me. So, I hope you get something to take away. This episode's me time is going to have to do with that, with nervous system stuff, with tips and tricks and all of that stuff. So the first thing I want to show you is something I use in my office. It's called Polyvagal, the Polyvagal Card Deck by Deb Dana. It is really just a collection of practices that help you to calm your nervous system. You can pull a card at random, you can look through the cards and decide which exercise you wanna do, but they're just a bunch of different um, physical things you can do to help calm down your nervous system. And I think they're really good and practical. I use them in my office, but I think they're practical for everybody to have. So again, it's called The Polyvagal Card Deck and it's by Deb Dana, you can just get it on Amazon. And then I also wanna take a minute to plug my book, (laughs) Explicit Parenting. This was uh, self-published a few years ago, not, you know, the be-all and end-all tome of parenting books, but a really sort of general guideline about the four tenets that I talk about all the time, that tuning in and knowing yourself and um, being curious and being consistent. It's those four things sort of over the lifespan of your child. So zero to 18, basically. It each chapter outlines a different way to incorporate those four principles into your parenting. And the reason I bring it up on this segment is because it has a lot to do with that number one tenant, which is tuning in and understanding your own self and understanding your own regulation and all of the things we just talked about with Jessica are really the sort of basis for my whole parenting philosophy. So check it out. I think it's free on Amazon right now. If you are an Amazon Prime member, Explicit Parenting, The you can get it in paper. I just showed it, if you're not watching the video, I just showed it as a paper copy, but you can also, um, as a softback copy, but you can also get it as a Kindle download. And uh, like I said, it might be free right now on Amazon. It's nominal, how much it is. Again, because it's not a complex book. It is a very short, easy, simple read with some stories in there and other things that can be helpful. And it's just a very general, broad overview The book that I'm currently working on is a much more in-depth look at parenting and co-regulation, but this is just a nice little primer on it too. And it's one you can reach for sort of in the middle of the night and help, (laughs) that kind of thing. And then the other one I want to talk about is by Daniel Siegel, and it is called Brainstorm. And it is a book that I recommend frequently because it is about adolescence. And I know one of the things we talked about quickly with Jessica was... What do you do if if you feel like it's too late for your kid? If you have really just kind of taken the dive into co-regulation and understanding your nervous system and your kid is 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 14, 15, 16 years old, what do you do? And that's kind of my sweet spot. I love adolescents. I love working with parents of adolescents. I love working with adolescents back in the day when I was in the classroom. And Daniel Siegel does a great job of telling us why it's never too late and helping outline what's going on in the kid's brain and what we can do about it to live a sort of more peaceful and regulated life for both of us. So I love it. It's called Brainstorm. It's Daniel Siegel. You can get it anywhere you get books. So that's it for this week. The me time stuff is really a lot about our kids (laughs) this week, but hopefully you get some relief in all of this information too. Thank you for listening. Again, if you have a moment, we would really appreciate a review. And of course, subscribe to this podcast so you get us fresh in your inbox every week. And feel free to share with any friends that you feel might benefit from it too. Everybody should know that the answer to the question, am I a bad mom, is always no. Have a good one. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you heard something today that made you feel better about your parenting and about yourself. Remember, if you have a moment, we would love a review. It helps more people to hear about us. If you like the episode, share it with your friends. And of course, subscribe so that you know when it's going to drop every single week. Thanks again. Until next time, keep asking those same questions and know that the answer to am I a bad mom is always no.